legs, then it, it progressed to his arms and usually it will reach to the point where it affects your lungs and you reach the point of respiratory failure and that's that's it. But with Simon, he in an emergency situation in hospital, he was put on a ventilator kind of by accident because um, it wouldn't be standard procedure in Ireland to put MND patients to, to ventilate them. So yeah, he ended up on a ventilator. So that takes the prognosis time, it, it, it goes into no man's land then because on the ventilator you can actually survive for a much longer time than the usual prognosis of uh, three to four years to live. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're um, quite recently finished narrating the book. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did that feel? Yeah. What, what was, was that like sort of going over all the material again? It was it was interesting. I think as a writer, you're quite introspective and it, it was like exercising all these muscles that I wouldn't normally use. It was a really interesting process. I really enjoyed it, but it was also quite difficult. I learned a lot from doing it. Initially, the first day, I can only describe it, you know, in Harry Potter, when he has to write the lines on his hand, you know, I must not tell lies, but it felt like the word, my own words were being etched or tattooed into my skin because it was verbalizing them. I was experiencing them in a a different way than if I just read it and internalized it. So yeah, I I would, I would kind of randomly burst into tears as I was reading certain, certain chapters about different parts and, uh, also, there's lots of interesting things as a, I've total respect for voiceover artists because you have to kind of find this place in yourself and it's all about breaths and you can't have a rasp in your voice or anything and, and they tell you to smile. So you have to, before you speak, you have to take a breath and then you know, smile and actually smiling changes the sound of your voice, which I never knew. So I was by the end, I couldn't feel my own cheeks and then my tongue felt like it had swelled up. (laughs) And I ate an entire jar of honey in one day just from hot drinks. They were plying me with hot drinks to keep my voice from crackling. And but yeah, I learned a lot. It was crazy. And how do you feel about the way that's going to affect the way people consume your book? Obviously, it's very, very personal, very emotional, evocative book. Yeah. Hearing you yourself read it, how do you think that's going to affect the way people sort of... I don't know. I, I, I wonder if I ever want to hear it because I'm slightly mortified about... I, I went kind of a place when I was reading it and I don't know how that will sound or how it'll be strange. Everybody hates the sound of their own voice anyway. It'll be strange to hear it myself. For other people, yeah, I hope it makes it more accessible for them that they can, you know, feel that they were really in it. I hope so. I think it's. I think the the audio book thing is 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 really different because people still feel like they're reading the book. It's very interesting that people feel, oh, I read that book, but they might have just heard it in their car or whatever. But you still get that feeling of of um, absorbing the words in a way that you do from actually reading a book. It's really cool, actually. Yeah. Why sea swimming? in freezing cold water not the most obvious sort of pursuit what tell me a bit about the appeal of sea swimming well like most things in my life I kind of drifted into it by accident I'd lived in Greystones for years and uh, never really noticed the sea because I was too busy having babies and it was just something that I drove past and then just through circumstance my friend Michelle her husband had a bike accident on the motorway and crashed into the back of a lorry and he's paralyzed uh, from the waist down and uh, they were sea swimmers. They swam every day. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, we thought they were kind of a little bit self, you know, evangelical, self-righteous. Oh, yeah, you're great. You sea swim. You think everybody should do it. You know, yeah, we know. It's wonderful. I roll. But then I found myself in this position where I'm at Greystones Marina watching this man get carried into the water and then swim with just, you know, with the strength of his arms. He swam all the way around the headland and we all got into the water just out of solidarity. 
and it was awesome. And his wife, Michelle, my friend, was standing on the sidelines um, with their baby and she just looked so sad. And myself and my friend Afric just kind of looked at each other and went, oh, no. We're going to have to swim with her. We don't really have a choice because she loved it so much. And it was something she was so traumatized by the accident. She just couldn't bring herself to go back swimming. So the following week, we found ourselves standing at Ladies Cove and shivering in our swimsuits and didn't set out to do it every day and just said, we'll take it one day at a time. And it just became something that we all loved and a space that we could just really be real with each other. And um, yeah, it got addictive. So, yeah, it just became something else then. How do you feel about the possibility of your kids reading the book when they get older? Is that something you've thought about at all? Is it, do you fear it? Would you like them to? Yeah, maybe after they're teenagers. <laughs> you know, that mortified, oh, what did you say about me, Mama? Oh.